Welcome back to the Rich Equation Podcast. Today I am joined by Ed Chan. Ed is the CEO and co-founder of Sea Pacific Foods, the largest Asian food distributor in the Western U.S. He is a second-generation business owner and has purchased his business from his father with his brother in 2014. He has such a vast amount of experience and knowledge to share, and so I'm very excited to have him on this podcast. This episode came at a great time in Ed's life as he has really started to find margin, as he calls it, to focus on his why and what is most important to him. In this episode, we discuss Ed's journey from running the business like he was taught from his father to learning how to lead his own way, how he had to transition from working in the business to working on the business and letting go of certain responsibilities and delegating to his team. Ed is also a father of two kids, and we talk about how he deals with media in his household and how he focuses his time with his family. Ed is the ultimate life designer. I am so honored that he was able to join us today. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Here he is, Ed Chan. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone that would be inspired by this or this information could be helpful. And subscribe right now to the podcast and leave a review so we can continue to bring value to you. Welcome to the Rich Equation Podcast. Rich Equation Podcast. Are you ready to discover how to live rich today and not wait for retirement? If you're tired of struggling and want to live your best life now, you're in the right place. Outdated principles will no longer work in today's environment. It's time for a new approach. Your host, Ashish Nathu, will help you discover methods to live the new American dream. It's time to start living the good life on your own terms and experience a new way to live rich. Rich. Now, here's your host, Ashish Nathu. Mr. Ed Chan, welcome to the Rich Equation Podcast. Thank you for coming, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited that you're here. You are such a close friend of mine, and we've been talking about this for a while, and yeah. you know, we just pulled it together last minute, and well, I'm really excited you were able to come. Well, you've been talking about doing something like this, actually, for, I feel, for probably more than 20, 12 months. And then just seeing you put it together, uh, and the speed that you're putting together, and then just finding out how much content you're pushing out. And you're holding down a full-time company uh, and a dad. Uh, I, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it, uh, but honestly, well, look who's talking. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I, I really am excited for this conversation because you have, like I've mentioned before we started recording, you have so many things going on. You're a really successful entrepreneur. Um, you've started in a second generation business and we'll get into mm-hmm. your entire business situation. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're a dad of two. Um, you're an Asian American. That's right. And so there's a lot of, you know, mindset stuff, multiple generational stuff there. Um, and so I'm really excited. There's so many places we can go. Uh, I know you do a lot of personal development work and mm-hmm. a lot of mindset work and, mm-hmm. um, you're a very spiritual religious mm-hmm. guy as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, really lean on your faith. So I'm, I just feel like the listener has a lot to learn from you mm-hmm. and I know, through my relationship with you, we've known each other for, Long time. you know, seven, eight years, maybe even longer. And that I've learned so much from you and I've, I've Likewise. been able to lean and, you know, really use you as a mentor sometimes in my life. And so I'm super excited for the listener to be able to tap into you today. Awesome. So again, I honor you and I appreciate you being here. So let's kind of start with 
you know, let's start with where you are right now. Sure. And where you are in your phase of life right now, because I know it's very different than when I first met you. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about what's going on with you now. Where's your mindset now in contrast to that? And what have you learned? And, and let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I have peace for the first time. You know, probably the pandemic really helped with that. I thought I had true work-life balance, but, you know, uh, I, you know, we may get into, but, you know, I'm in the food restaurant industry and wholesale distributor. And when restaurants were shut down, I mean, we had to keep people employed. So we, you know, owners cut our salary. Our leadership team said, hey, we need to keep these these guys driving forklifts employed because they're week to week. So they decided to say, hey, let's let's shut down every Thursday, cut 20% of pay, give it to them. And and, and so we, I wasn't working uh, every Thursday, and then around December, uh, November, December, the leadership team said, "Hey, we got enough work now. We got to, we got to come back to the office. Could you, could we come back? And obviously, you pay us our hundred percent." I said, "Absolutely," you know. And I always knew that they would tell me. I wouldn't tell them when to come back. Uh, but come January and even February, I, I said, "Hey guys, you guys have really stepped it up. Um, I'm not coming back Thursdays ever again. Uh, now I'm not. It's not a wasted day. So they they know that I don't work." I just don't, my butt doesn't go into the office, but I do check a few emails here and there. But Thursdays is what I call my personal development days. Actually, in fact, today is Thursday, right? right? And uh, so these are the, this is my space. If I want to take the classic Porsche for a road trip and kind of get into my Zen, some people surf, uh, meditate, uh, run, go cycling, whatnot. Um, but I, I either go out for a drive, uh, I go get stuff that I need to get done that I don't want to do on the weekends, you know, like I get my, go see the eye doctor or whatnot. Uh, so your day, it's your day. But also these are the days that I get mentored for certain mentors. I I schedule lunches and breakfast and dinners and, or, uh, mentor others too. Cause whenever they say, Hey, can we grab coffee? I'm like, let's do it Thursday. Those are the, mm-hmm. my best available days. My mind is not on work. It's I'm fully focused on who I'm talking to. And um, that's sort of where I'm at right now. I just feel like I have this, the word is margin, this margin. And I've always wanted it. And uh, it started that. coming. Uh, but it is, a, it is a term that I picked up back in 2015. But it, it took me a solid six, seven years to get where I'm at. Uh, but the first three to five years with all the personal development stuff, all the figuring out who I am, what I want to do, what's my purpose, what's my drive, uh, you know, from 2015 to kind of like almost like 2019 was a lot of that. And that's when I met you. You know, so many questions. So firstly, did you feel in the last few years you had to work to get that margin or do you feel like you just had to create stronger boundaries and leave things behind in order to have that margin? I, for the company, I had to work to get the leadership team to where hmm. I could let go. And one of the, one of the coaches that I'd hired, uh, this was back in 07, 17 or 16 said, Hey, let's say, imagine I buy C Pacific foods. What percentage of the sales is Ed Chan? And I'm, we, 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 we drew a pie chart and I, I carved out a Pac-Man. I'm like, I'm Pac-Man. I'm 75%. says, all right, so let's say I, my, your coach, I buy your business. What do you think the first thing I'm going to do is? I'm like, and I, and I answer the question for him. I was like, you're going to probably make me work. And I'm like, I'm going to not only make you, I'm going to handcuff you to the desk because it's so reliant on you. And you got to disseminate this information down to the people beneath you. And I, I always knew that. And I'd heard the term, you know, work 
on the business, not in the business. And I thought I was doing that in 16 and 17, but I was still working in the business, doing all the day-to-day stuff, getting my head, you know, stuck into places that I thought I had to fix. I was, I've been doing that, you know, since 1997. So this, this year I've been doing it 25 years. So that's when I realized, Hey, I got to let go of certain responsibilities, but then delegating was probably the hardest thing for me. You come from a second generation business. That's right. And I know your dad started the the main company, the That's distribution right. food business. And the only reason I bring that up is because there's a really different mind shift from the way your dad ran the business, oh, yeah. even from a cultural perspective, to the idea that now you can take a day off right. that is not in the business and you're working on the business. Talk to me about how different that is because- you're not the only one who experiences that, right? There's yeah. a lot of generational BS that yeah. we all carry into how we operate on a daily basis. And we don't learn to let those things go for maybe 20 years of our life. That's right. And realize that, wow, the reason why I'm operating the way I'm operating is because this is how I saw my parents operate. Right. Walk me through that entire journey. What was the contrast like? What were the things sure. that were going through your head during those limiting, you know, all those limiting beliefs? Sure, absolutely. Uh, a lot of it is programming. You know, um, I left UCLA and ha- thought I had a degree in finance. And then it's never your, your dad, but your mom says, hey, your dad started this business in 1992. Um, he doesn't speak the language well. I, th- I think he needs help growing it. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to leave Santa Monica and move back to Orange County where I was raised. And it says I can work with my dad. On a personal note, at the time, I thought, I, 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 I didn't think this until much later, but ultimately, I really desired a relationship with my, my dad. Because hmm. growing up, especially that immigrant mentality was, I just provide for my children and my wife and make sure that nobody dies, right? But I didn't have that upbringing like what you saw on TV, in American TV, which is my dad would inquire about my day, help me to build a remote control car. or These are, I mean, I'm literally telling you aspirational things I wish my dad had done, you know? I never experienced that. And so I thought maybe if I, if I can't get my dad's attention, let me get it at least at work. But, um, and so that's how I started, decided working for the family business. And, you know, as a 22, 23 year old, you're pretty cocky and arrogant. And the, the best thing my dad did, now I look back, I really appreciate it. By the time I hated it, is he stuck me in a warehouse for two years. And I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I have a UCLA degree. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're wasting this. And on top of that, I'm only I'm paying like nothing of 1600 bucks a month, you know. Uh, and I was making way more money doing uh, the financial stuff up in Santa Monica. But I thought this is an opportunity to learn. Looking back now, it was the best decision that he did to me because he, he put my ego in check. Mm. And at the same time, I got to learn the business from the bottom up. So fast forward quite a few years, I've been pretty much running the business from 97 all the way to about 2007 and 8. My father's barely coming in. And I've just been doing it his way, right? But it wasn't until I, I realized that I had to buy the business. So kind of in, in 2011 or 2012, I found out my dad actually had shareholders. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, how many are there? 16. I'm like, WTF, how, how many? 16. And I'm like, well, you're the biggest shareholder. He's like, yeah, I'm the largest shareholder at 6%. I'm like, 60? No, 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 6. And I had this is not going to work. I mean, I, at this point, we had, we had grown the business 12, 13-fold. And we just had to cut it up. I didn't know he was cutting it up 16, 17 ways. So I had to find a way to buy them out. And that's what 
culminated wow. in 2014. And that's, and I, I met you in 2015, right? Mm-hmm. So 2014 is when I said I got to buy them, uh, 2013. And it was, a, it was a confluence of events that I just had to figure this out. And things were in the right place, right time. I was able to get a loan and whatnot. And long story short, I bought them out and we, and his, his, his legacy team. And when I bought it on January 1st, 2014, within 30 days to maybe six months said, I'm gone. Your, your dad's retiring. I'm in my sixties. I'm going to, I'm going to check out too. It scared the bejesus out of me. But the blessing was that I got to rebuild the entire team. Mm. Talk so, to me about that. Cause that, I, yeah. I was on, I was on that journey with you. That's and right. Super important part of your That's business right. life. So tell me about what happened and what changed. So in 2014, I now go from a W2 worker to a K1. And I'm like, holy cow. Okay. I've got real responsibilities. Um, and I was just stressed out. And it was a friend of mine that says, Hey, you should consider executive coaching. And I'm like, what the heck? That's like therapy. I've been through therapy. Right. But, uh, a few weeks later I, he, I realized he was right. And so that's when I hired my first coach. He took me, he, he, he did wonders for me. I mean, he gave me a whole new vocabulary that I didn't know. My father's way was great, but he gave me language like, you need to redefine what winning is, you know, because you're at this point, I'm like 37, 38. And I'm, I said, you're at the top of your game. And, and he, he gave me another term, which is the Tiger Woods term. You know, when Tiger hit the top of his game, he hit what's called summit syndrome. And what do you do when you hit summit syndrome? When you have, when you're beyond blue ocean, you're already at the top of your game. You start putting your risk in stupid stuff. And Tiger Woods for him was probably infidelity. It was the gambling. And Michael Jordan did the same thing. And, I, and, and my coach is like, let's not get you there, right? This is where you, you start making mm-hmm. stupid mistakes. And so that was a huge pivotal move. And then on top of that, he says, you need to go to find, you're an extrovert. You should go peer-to-peer learning. And that's how I met you in, mm-hmm. in our peer-to-peer learning. So that, uh, that taught me that there's different ways to run a business. My, my dad's way was what we needed to get started. And if we want, you want to talk about a startup, you have to have that startup mentality, which is you got to do everything. Fortunately, and I'd done it. Fortunately, if you get to enough, let's say five, year five to eight to 10, then you got to think about, well, how do I scale? And that's where later on, my father, maybe 10 years after I bought the, or not 10 years, maybe four or five years after, he's, he told me like, look, I could only get to the business to 30, 40 million but you could take it to a whole nother level. And that's what we've done, you know? And he was the one that kind of gave me his blessing, you know, that, that you were the right person at the right time to, to scale it. And, and I said, yeah, your ways, dad, were, were amazing, but it's from zero to 10 million in revenue, right? And you have to work every job. You have to look at everything, right? But you can't keep running the business if you don't trust people, you don't scale. And that's what I learned through when I met you. It's like learning to, um, to, uh, what's the term I'm thinking of, uh, to trust people and to delegate. That's the word I was thinking of. Such a hard word, I couldn't even think of it, right? <laughs> and so that, 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 that was a journey that helped me in the last probably two to three years to really let go of a lot of responsibilities and to let the, the team run the business. And I learned that a lot from you too, is, is really giving grace to the team, creating a space for your team, allowing them to make decisions. You're, you're really more great than, at that. More than that, I was going in and fixing stuff without realizing, wait a second, I've been doing this for 18 years. I had a chance to fall and pick myself up. I need to give my team time to fall and pick themselves. If I kept going and rescue every time, mm. I'm, I'm robbing them of the privilege to learn that yeah. I got the privilege to learn. And how selfish of that, mm. how selfish of me to do that, right? You, you 
really double down on coaching yeah. peer network groups and you have a lot of mentors. Yeah. But what I love about your approach about all of this is that you're not afraid to change it up frequently. You get in, you have to find a good coach. You're like, all right, yeah. I'm going to get in for six months, dig deep, and then I'm going to change my coach. Right. Talk to me about why that's so important to you. Maybe it's why my ADD. It's, <laughs> probably. It <laughs> but, probably is. But you're, you're a, you, you know, you have a yeah. thirst for knowledge and yeah. you crave new information and you're always trying to push yourself and get those incremental benefits. So talk yeah. to me about mentorship and what that means and yeah. why that's, why that's important for other people. And then I want you to talk to me about, you know, what has peer to peer done for you yeah. and why is that so important for people? So the first one, um, one of my ethos is, I'm a, and these are my own personal taglines, is I'm a stealer of great ideas. Yes, that's true. You've been saying that for years. If that's a great idea, freaking, I will hunt that dude down. And I'll say, how did you X, Y, Z teach me? Right. Um, and that's the thing too, with coaching, I, not that I eclipsed every coach. Okay. But I felt like about six to nine months was all I needed to extract everything I could. And some of the coaches, I've even had some of the Tony Robbins coaches and they were, then they've coached a lot of people, hundreds of people. And one of the compliments they said to me is like, Ed, I love coaching people like you. You're, you're rare. And, and that was a, I, I was like, oh, you say that to all your clients. No, she was saying you're rare because when you come to our one-on-one -on -one consultation, you come with questions. Mm. Most people have to get through the first 15 minutes of our 45-minute session just BSing about how they're doing. You go straight to the questions. Why? Because, probably because I want to maximize that 45 minutes. And second, I want value for the dollar that I paid because it's hundreds of dollars per hour. And, I've, you know, and I, but I just want to maximize that time. And I'm just a steal of ideas. And on top of that, I just take copious notes. I have notebooks and notebooks of codes uh, of, of, of notes that I take that I, I really review them. Even now, mm -hmm. I, I look back on them fondly because that's my journal. Some people do a daily diary. For me, it's how my brain is developing. And so I feel like about six to nine months, I contract with these coaches and then I'd let them know in advance, like, this is not going to last forever, uh, but I'm going to maximize what I can from you. And each coach has given me some nugget of truth. Just like, you know, uh, you, you and I are avid book readers. I, you know, you know, I try to read about three books a month, right? Um, some books, yeah, you, you finish them and you toss them aside, but it's six months later, it's like, okay, there was that one nugget that I read about. That's right. You know, and you start connecting the dots and no one can do the work for you. You have to do it. So I'm a huge fan of getting professionally coached. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of even getting my leadership team coach. You know that you do that as well. And on top of that, uh, looking for mentors that have, because coaches will hold you accountable, but mentors are people that have walked just a few feet before you. And if they're so willing good. to share, uh, now that I'm a mentor to some people, it's the greatest gift I can give back to someone. So I'm like, if you want to give back, I'm taken. <laughs> you know, if you got time for a cup of coffee or dinner, I'm buying because I I, there's so much knowledge that I want to ascertain from that person. So that's the first question. I love question. that. Um, second thing was um, about the peer-to-peer -peer learning. If you're an introvert, it might be a challenge. You might have to learn it on your own. And a lot of like, you know, Zuckerbergs and whatnot, they're quirky and they, they learn it on their own. They're, they're at th that level of intelligence. I'm not that smart, but I'm a natural extrovert. I doubt that. <laughs> that first coach said, you're a natural extrovert, you would thrive in a, in a peer-to-peer. -peer. Mm. And when I met you and I, and I saw, I, I got to see 
under the kimono of so many other businesses in a, in, in a, in a half day session or one day session, you see 10, eight to 10 to 12 other businesses and you realize, holy cow, there's other ways of doing it. Mm. My dad's way isn't the only way. In fact, it's antiquated. Yep. I appreciate what it got to me, got, got, got me to this point, but, and I had this mentality that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I also realized the, the first gen way was not scalable. Mm. You're too much of a control freak. You care, you, it was just, yeah, it was just too, it was just too controlled. We were micromanaging everything. It was terrible. So I learned from guys like you and other people that you got to trust your staff, that you got to believe in them too. Right. And then on top of that, what I've learned, especially in the last two years, you got to give them the opportunity to fall because mm. you, we did. So I've learned so much from you in both of those realms. I, I in fact have used some of the coaches that you've had, you've used and you've right. referred to me. Happy to pass them on to you. I just won't pay for them for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, it's really amazing though. Um, and the mindset of I'm a stealer of great ideas. I always remember you saying that and so powerful. Um, I really encourage people to lean into mentors. Um, and you don't always have to pay for coaching. There are people out there who, right. who will grab a free cup of coffee with you if you're paying, paying for coffee, I suppose. But like, yeah, you know, they would love to share their knowledge. And it's a big reason why I shared this podcast with people and why I created this podcast is to be able it. to give this level of information and knowledge. Oh yeah. You know, you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on yourself. Easily. My, on my coaches and systems and trainers and psychologists and my, everything. My brother, who's my CFO and also my business partner, I have a $50,000 a year budget. And I couldn't say this four or five years ago, but I was like, look, Sam, they don't teach this shit in school. So I'm going to pay for it every year through networking and coaching. And I would agree with you. I probably yeah. spend similar to that. Yeah. So it's, I, wouldn't it's surprise me. I don't think people realize that it's not, it's, it's not easy. It's not yeah. cheap. Right. It's not free. Right. But that's why I love about doing this is that, yeah. you know, the listener can get yeah, all this essentially knowledge, all this knowledge for, <laughs> for just, free for an hour of their time, for it's, all their I time, I love your give back. all their drive. So that, that's it. really what this is all about for me. And, and for us, it's fulfilling to be able to share that. Yeah. Cause yeah. we're not, we don't think we're that smart, but if we have something to give and someone wants to take it, we're like, take it, take it, take it. Um, what is your biggest fear? You know, I think there, that's a, that's a twofold question. Prior to my 40s, my biggest fear was failure. Mm. It's less so now that I'm in my mid 40s uh, because I've got enough money in the bank. Uh, I, I don't I don't have to work, but I enjoy I enjoy the challenge of work. I would say currently my biggest fear is time. Mm. You what know, does that mean? Uh, you, you think about it, if you live 80 years, I've already lived 55, almost 60 percent of my life on this yep. earth. So there's so many things I want to do. And so for me, and uh, maybe this gets into where we talk Fear about margin. running out of time. That's right. That's the one commodity. You could be a, a, a poor person or a billionaire. We all have the same amount of time on this earth. Yeah. You know, God or whoever you believe in, that's all you, that you, that's it. It's not, it's, it's, it's finite. I love that. And, and going back to your conversation earlier about, you know, you going through your journey and finding your purpose, finding your why. Yeah. So you have a limited amount of time on this planet. That's right. Ed. What is your why? What is really driving it? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I would say, well, I first I had to, let me back up. You, in order to find your purpose and your why, you do have to have enough margin, right? If you're constantly working and you're stressed out. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. So I think what led me to here was just 
what's, I was just teed up to set up so that I have this margin, to have the freedom, to have some space to think about what I want. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm not mm. done with it. I'm still in the middle of it. Um, and so that's part of it. I mean, if you're hustling, if you've got wife and kids and you're stressed out, it, it, you're just financially strapped. It's it, it, not that you need money to find your purpose, but it's definitely a, a luxury to have that. So now that I'm in my mid forties, you know, I feel my purpose is, I feel my calling is in two seconds. I feel it's sort of like speaking to men. I don't know exactly, you're actually doing it. I mean, 25 to 50, you know, who, who just, how did you do this? And I'm like, I'll, I'll give you all that I have and you take it and you elevate it, right? If, if, if that, I don't need even monetary conversation, just knowing that I don't even need recognition. Yeah. And I've, I, I, when I was younger, I said, I need to have recognition because it's very self-centering. But now I feel like my reward is when I'm in heaven and, and someone's going to say, oh, I'm, I remember this dude, Ed, that gave me this one saying and it, my, I pivoted because of that, you know, my life trajectory or my family's trajectory changed because of that. Mm. You know, so I think it has to do with what exactly what you're doing. I don't know to what degree. I'm still fleshing it out. Yeah. Um, I do have a group of guys uh, at my local church that uh, I'm in a mentorship program with them. As much as I'm feeding them, I'm getting more out of it. And I've actually read, uh, most people have probably read, but there's quite a few books I'm mentoring. And all of them say that being the mentor, you actually get more out of it than the mentee. Yeah. So it's it's self-serving. It's amazing. I, I like how you said that, though, because... The way that, you know, you talk about creating space in your business or working on your business and in your business, it's the same thing with life. Like you That's need right. to work on your life and not in your life. That's right. You need to create time in your life sometimes to work on it. Yeah. To create meditative space, to journal, That's to right. life design. I'm really, I talk about life design a lot right now, and mm -hmm. which is a lot of the things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I know you do... Um, a great deal of work on that. Um, I, can I speak into that real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. So, you know, as, as, a, as a faith person, as a Christian, and, I, and I'm a true follower of Jesus for just the last four years, um, I read this one book and it talked about, you know, God created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And if you believe that he's the God of the universe and he needed to rest and we're peons, don't we need to rest? And so th that book was like mm -hmm. someone knocking me on the head. It's like, you need to rest, especially now in this digital age with social media and everything. You're connect. You're so connected yeah. that I'm not saying your heart and your eyes. We're talking your mind yes. needs to rest. So I started to really appreciate the concept of Sabbath. Sabbath. I don't care what faith you are. Your body and your mind needs to rest. Mm. Not using your Saturday or your Sunday, whatever that day it is, to run errands because that's not resting. True resting is sitting down and just looking into the ocean or on a mountaintop, whatever. I mean, you, for me, I take these three, four hour drives just to get somewhere so that no one can find me. I don't have cell space, cell service, but I just sit on the hood of my car and I just think, and I get the, I actually got the vision of what Sea Pacific was going to be in 2021 moving forward on one of those drives. I could not have done that if I was running errands at Target or if I was going to see the doctor uh, or I was stressed out. You know, so once again, creating that pocket of space allows you to have a, a really good Sabbath. You're a really high performer. I've never seen you low energy. <laughs> You're able to accomplish so many things. You run multiple businesses in multiple different industries and segments. Right. right. Like I said, you're a family guy, a yeah. faith, got a strong faith. Tell me 
you know, talk to us about your routine. Talk to us sure. about how you maintain this level of energy or sure. sustain. How do you create this sustainable level of energy? So this kind of ties back. This is important for people, I think, to know. Yeah, for me, pers- for my experience, my shared experience is going back to just being, just finding my purpose. Like, why am I here? And 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 being a follower of of, of, of Jesus and as a Christian, I said, you know what? If I believe that He's my Maker, let me go to the source. So for us, our our connection is looking at the Bible, right, and also reading people books that were written on the Bible and just their interpretation of it. And for me, going to my designer, my architect, how was I wired mm. and appreciating how he wired me allowed me says, wow, I am really unique. How do I maximize that and then give back to his community, right? Because his, his, one of the commandments is, is love my people, right? Love thy neighbor, right? So it's like, okay, how's the best way to, to, to do that commandment is to bring the best of what I have and love them by giving what I can, you're doing that with this podcast, right? And and so answering your question is what's my, how do I get in that meditative state and relaxation state? Uh, I have a morning routine. Mm. Uh, my daughter, uh, this happened probably a year and a half, two years ago. We have this routine where we get up together at 6.30 in the morning. Um, she had a hard time getting up playing piano. And I said, you know what? I have a hard time getting up doing my morning routine, which is reading the Bible for maybe 15, 20 minutes and then journaling and or praying or whatnot. And I said, why don't you and I do it together? So every morning at 6.30, she actually wakes me up, like bleary-eyed, rubbing her eyes like, Daddy, let's go to the music room. Or we have a room called the music room where she plays her piano. And I, that's where I have all of my books that I read. And it's just been so rich for me. That's part of my morning routine, okay? Mm. And what I've gotten as, now I'm talking as a dad, that pocket of 30 minutes, she's done her piano for 25 minutes and it's kind of rolling around 7, 7.05. She has to get ready for school. I got to get ready for bed or, or to, to work and I got to take them. That six to five minutes, it took 25 minutes for her to say, hey dad, I got a question about X, Y, Z. And that's when it gets so good, you know? That's when it's like, oh, the questions that she would not only ask her mom, she'll ask me. Oh, so mal. Wow. You know, and you have a young one. You have a young daughter. And I've been reading a ton of books on being a, a father, right? And a lot of it is, even, in the, and I've got a, almost a teenager, I've got a 12-year-old, almost a teenager. And it talks about just, they go through this hormonal cycle and whatnot. But he says, for me, I would just, this author was saying, I would just take my daughter wherever she needed to go. 30, 40-minute drive, whatnot. And that 30, 40-minute, I should pulling into the driveway and it's about to turn the key up, but he keeps the car on. That's when the questions come. Because it took, he, my learning from that was that it took the, your, your daughter about 20, 30 minutes to really trust you mm. and give that to you. So that wow, you have, I never even thought about that. And you, you're almost earning that pocket of three to five minutes for him to, Daddy, can I ask you a question? And I think my questions are going to be, I like this boy, you know, or I think this person's picking on me. You know, things that they may not, bring up front because they're so programmed to, to put on onion layers on top of themselves. Oh, how's it every day? Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. And you look at social media where you look at Instagram and everything's so, and I have to teach my 12 year old, like everything is fabricated and tailored. You see, uh, like my, my son watched Mr. Beast and they're giving away a million dollars, giving away a Lamborghini. I said, you know, somebody's sponsoring that. <laughs> yes. But wanna, let me ask you, anyway. let's talk about parenthood a little bit because I think, sure. you know, I, I'm very fascinated about and you have a little bit older kids than I do. Right. Um, you have Olivia's 12 and... Toby's 10. Toby's 10. Okay, so yeah, perfect. I mean... Yeah. I want to understand how you think about raising kids in a social a social media world. Ooh. Because I think that 
and I've been reading a lot about this as I have two kids too, Yeah. but my kids don't, they're not an age where they're using phones and in social media quite yet. But what I'm reading is that parents are, society in general is talking about how parents are not as equipped to parent kids in today's generation because they didn't go through the same dynamics right. of social media growing up as adolescents as their kids do now. So they actually are ill-equipped. They don't understand. They cannot comprehend what the kids are going through. Right. And the kids are like, listen, mom, dad, you don't know enough to know what I'm dealing with. And so there's like this huge separation That's right. between kids and parents. How are you dealing with that? How are you dressing with that? I know you do not numb your kids with stuff. Right. You're not that kind of parent. Um, I can't say that about everybody, right. but you're very aware with what your kids do, how they do it. Um, and yeah. I, and I know your wife is really in tune with that too. So yeah. talk to us about that. I think intentionality is the word I think about. Uh, first of all, I love the fact that you are reading up on it because you're right. When you're, when you're, when you're, when, when, when you're born with a child, it comes out of your wife's uterus. There's no manual that comes out with it, right? Now, granted, there are a lot of books on it that help, but you're right. You and I were raised in a generation where, you know, iPhone came out in 2007 and iPads came out maybe a year or two later. There was no instruction manual on how to do it. And we were just so absorbed by it that we're like, this is the greatest thing. And now it's a part of our ecosystem. Our children have never seen a day without Wi-Fi. I never see a day without data or, you know, these are terms. When you and I were two, three, four, five, six, we didn't have terms like Wi-Fi, data, broadband. So for me, to answer that question, my shared experience is that I went back to my past and said, you know what, I didn't have the, it wasn't a perfect childhood, but it was pretty dang good. So how do I recreate that? So growing up, we didn't have a lot of media. So, and, mm. and every parenting advice is different okay so this is how I do it and I'm not saying everyone has to but this is work for me so Monday through Thursday no devices even daddy and mommy no devices we try not to have any devices unless we absolutely have to right uh, we read at night um, one of the things that I enjoyed uh, we do is like every almost twice a week between Monday and Thursday it's game night mm. we do board games we play chess. We play Monopoly. is a great game, especially if you want to teach a young entrepreneur how to how to manage money and things like that. that. Anything that can help them to think and teach them about. We started with little games like Candyland, and then as they got older, just games like Sorry, and then you can play now games like Risk and you know and 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 Monopoly, and that make them really think about how to manage money and things like that. So twice a week we do game night. Uh, if we do watch a show, uh, we just recently had a rule, which is I've noticed that. Actually, among my parents, my parents live in like a, you know, 4,000 square foot house. But when I go over to see them, my dad's on a device in one corner of the house. My mom's in another, and, but they're, they're in the same house. And I'm like, you know what? This, we're, our house is the same way. My wife's on a device sometimes on the weekends and I'm on one. My kids on one. My other kids on one. And I'm like, this is not right. So we have a, a rule, which is we all, we do not watch Netflix or YouTube on your own device. You have to be on the big ass TV. So if you're watching something on Disney Plus, we're all watching it. And so, you know what we've enjoyed lately is back when we were in the 2001s, that show Lost. Mm. My kids love it. So we watch an episode of Lost every now and then and we get something to talk about. The thing is, we're together. Yeah. The intentionality is together. And I didn't know that was the, what it was. I just knew something was missing. And so by just saying, hey, don't go on your own devices. Right. Let's all go on the same big ass TV. Then you watch what I watch. And, and our rule of thumb is uh, Monday through Friday, you watch what daddy and mommy watch. And usually it's pretty kid appropriate. And, and like I said, we usually don't watch TV Monday through Friday, but uh, Thursday, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you guys get the controller. If you guys want to watch, I mean, whatever's kid appropriate, if it's 
they don't watch cartoons as much, but if they want to watch something, then you take over. We won't watch cooking shows or things that I want to watch. Or you, you are so good at doing that in life. And like, there's so many aspects of your life where I call it destructive innovation, where you <laughs> do things and then you're like, this doesn't seem to work. I'm yeah. going to break it apart and do it all over again right. and innovate a new process. And you're really not afraid of doing that. I, I love trial that. And error. I you. mean, it's the entrepreneur in all of us that we, it's, yeah. it's, it's failing forward. Right. Mm. And, but also being, it's also just being an observer that, wait a second, why, why, why is everyone on devices and everyone's a corner of the room? I didn't work my ass off just so that we could all be separated by these, these, I love these iPads, but they're a huge separator. So our rule of thumb is, yeah, you watch it, you watch it on the big ass TV. That's why I bought it because we had a big ass TV. No one's using it. So let me ask, let me, let me also say something about parenting that I believe in. And this is not me pushing it on anyone, but. I believe, and this is what my, my friend Brian Chin says to me. He said this to me when he had kids earlier. He's like, the kids never, I make the kids remember who the parent is. And I'm seeing that as a parent now later than him, that as a young parent, I'm always like hovering over the kids and whatnot, right? But sometimes some of these kids start dictating what the parents do. And so I remember my friend Brian saying, I, 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 always, have to remi- I always have to remember who the parent is. I'm the parent. I'm the adult. I have to remind myself and the children, I'm the adult in the relationship. And I took it a step further, um, is that I think kids love boundaries. I'm putting my hands up and up like a, like remember that game Pong? <laughs> they need the boundaries on the left and the right side. And within that space of bouncing back and forth between the left and the right walls, that's where creativity and freedom happens. Because why? They're super safe. They know that they won't get hurt. Their feelings won't get hurt. Um, if, they, if it is Mom and dad are going to protect me. This is especially at your kid's age, which is, you know, like two to six or seven, or eight. But you can do this until probably 17, 18. In that, in that space of bouncing left and right, and I'm bouncing my fingers left and right, is that that's freedom for them. And that's where the creativity. And your job as a parent is to judge how much further and wider that boundary is. That's true in children, uh, children life, in employees, employees. and leaders. That's right. That was really powerful. Yeah, and, and, and your job is to give them that boundary and the guidance. And you, you, you're not trying to be an a-hole. You just say, this is what I believe is right. What are, you, what are you working on right now on yourself? What are some of the things that I, are showing up for you that you're working through? I think, I, I think my next iteration of learning is learning by sitting on other boards. I'm actually actively looking on Paid, unpaid, doesn't really matter. Actually, I've even told people, if it's a paid position, sometimes one person said, don't do it for free because your time is worth something. Typically, sitting on board, you make 500 bucks to $3,000, whatever it is, per, per day session. Uh, but I've already decided that if, you, uh, if I sit on your board, uh, you're not paying it to me. You just pay it to my foundation because I'm going to give it all away. So where I'm headed right now is, you know, knock on wood, is, is philanthropy. And that's been such a, a challenge uh, but it's also been a joy, you know, to not just give my time, but how do I grow these resources and be a steward of it so that I can make a, a kingdom impact or a, 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 some kind of economic impact to someone else? What is a kingdom impact? Yeah. So as a, as a, as a believer in, in, in God, uh, I, you know, I'm going to use Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so knock good. on wood. I've got, I'm at a point where I've got like... More money is great, but it doesn't make Ed happier. It's how do I make an impact on someone else's life? Um, and I heard that, I think Kenny Rogers said that, and I stole that from him because he had planes, trains, he had everything. Right? He was super affluent, but he said sharing his time and wealth is, is more important. I think it's really important for people to hear that again because with an, 
with the age we're in today yeah. and the resources we have and the technology, everybody has a real responsibility because everyone they do. has capacity. They do. And I think, you know, pre like pre 40, you're just hustling just to get things by. And I get it. Right. But when you get to a point, your job is to give back uh, time, resources, time, treasures, talent. That's what we say in, in the Bible. Right. But I, I, I actually have something called the kingdom fund. I'll be pretty transparent. It's, it's a couple hundred thousand to a million bucks. I'm not just going to give it away. I'm actually investing it. So some of these small investments that I make in uh, multifamily real estate or other small startup businesses, and I tell the founders who are pitching me, it's like, look, I'm going to hand you a hundred grand, but it ain't my money. Your job's to grow it. And I'm pointing at this kid, this 30 year old kid. So your, your job's to grow it. As, as my expectation is that you're going to grow at 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, and all of that's going to the kingdom fund. So I believe God has gifted me the ability, knock on wood, to make money. My job is to multiply it now mm. and to show my heavenly father like, hey, I can do better. Thanks for giving me a hundred grand. Daddy, I made it into half a million dollars and I'm putting my hand, cupping my hand saying, <laughs> I made it half a million. What, where can what I do you this? Doing, Nick? So good. What, if you were to have a microphone and speak directly to the, to the listener and tell them to do one or two things and have some takeaways, what would that be? I think we, we talked about it. Look for mentors, mm. you know, um, anyone that can pour into your life, be willing to ask a lot of questions, even dumb questions. Like, how did you, and then, and the second thing, oh, this is huge. The way coach said, ask a question and just shut the F up. Especially when you're in your twenties and thirties, you just want to fill that time gap with just a lot of your own blabbering. So I probably blabber a lot in this conversation. <laughs> I just well, that's the point. You're here to talk. You're here to, you're here to share. You're here to. Yeah. But just be a learner and stealer of great ideas. So find a mentor. And if you can afford it, find a coach. There's so many that are good. And if they don't work, guess what? You can fire them and get another one. Nothing against them. It just didn't do it. And then, and probably people are, who are listening to this are also avid readers. I mean, just keep doing that. Um, and then, you know, really find out, paint the, live their life backwards. Imagine yourself at 50, for me, I'm imagine myself at 55. What are my goals at that time? And then you work backwards toward that. Mm. For example, I have a, a particular gifting goal, a dollar amount that I want to give away net of, net of taxes. And so that's something I work toward. I love that. So. You're a brilliant life designer. I love you're, that word. I'm going to steal that. I never yeah, heard that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm trying really to into survive. that right now, man. Life, <laughs> you, no, you're not surviving. You're way more than surviving because... If you're talking about how to think about what life looks like in 50 at 55 yeah. and then work backwards from there, that is not surviving. And that is not by accident. Yeah. I think people think, and I say this a lot, like success is not accidental. Oh no. You, you, you don't fall into it. You have you to don't work fall at in it. it. You yeah. work at it. Yeah. You design it. You yeah. spend time on it. You think about it endlessly. And I think a lot of listeners are right there with you. So yeah. I just want to encourage people to continue to spend that time to life design. And not just a life design for yourself. If you've got a family and I've got a 12 and 10 year old, we, we have a, a family bucket list, which is our own kind of like own family mission statement, and vision that. statement, you know, That's and so I'll share with you mine. Uh, about four or five years ago, um, we had a family bucket list and uh, it, which is uh, we want to visit 25 countries as a family. By the time my youngest Toby is 18 and goes to college. My wife is type A. You know her. Yes. She's on a mission. And I think my son's <laughs> only on 10. Mission. Okay, he's only 10. And we've already hit 17, 18 countries. So we will absolutely eclipse 25 countries. So, but that's, some, that's a shared goal, shared experience. So as if you're, a man, you know, I'm speaking, I guess, to men, if you're a leader of your household, design that out. 
Yeah. Right. Because because your 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 significant other, your your partner, your wife is going to want to leave. They'll they'll grasp onto that vision. The other thing I think people and I I've heard I've had a lot of people even question me about the podcast, for example, mm. and how are you finding the time to do this podcast, and how are you finding the time to go travel? It's First of all, the, the people that are that are that are haters, they're saying that that's because they can't do it. That's right. They can't so do it. I yeah. think that it's really important to realize that life design is not about your the fact that you don't have time. No. We all have time. That's right. It's just about what we decide Priority. to use our time on that's right. and whether that's important to us or not, right? Because yeah. if if you want to go do charity work or you want to go travel or you want to yeah. go live in another country, like you can absolutely do what you want. You just have to make those priorities. That's right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's that yeah, so what, once it goes back to intentionality, once you're kind of, you know, everyone's through the the working widget and cog. You're just in the machine of making money through your you know early forties, maybe even fifties, right? But the earlier on, you learn from someone that hey, you know what? I can step you know get get unplug yourself from the matrix if you want to call it. Yes, sir. And then make your own matrix. Whether it's for so me, powerful. you know, for me, faith is a part of it. But some people, it may be something more restorative or meditative. Yeah, do it. I am so blessed to have you in my life, Ed. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, man, this is uh, this fun. Was, I can't believe it went by so fast. This was super awesome. If you ever really, want to really do really a good. part two, let's do it. We're going to do a part two for sure. I, I'm I a really huge fan of what you, you do. I, I think you're, you're going out and being brave. You're doing everything you talk about. Like You are unstoppable. So You won't talk about yourself enough, but you're no. unstoppable. I love it. Well, I look, I, I, again, I really appreciate your time. Let's yeah. definitely do this again. I, I, think love it. I encourage the listener to listen to that again. There was a lot of really good advice and drops, um, you know, lean into your mentors, uh, start to focus on creating time in your life and working yes. on your life and yes. designing your life. So, so, so much powerful, um, so much powerful knowledge. So thank you again, Ned. Thank you. This Bye. is great. Love it. Thank you for listening to the rich equation podcast with Ashish Nathu. Do you want more ideas on how to live rich? Go to richequationpodcast.com for show notes and resources. Then take one minute to leave Ashish a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you on the next episode.